Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. It's good to be here. Amen. Hallelujah. I was preparing before uh, we went on holiday. Anne and I had a week's holiday down in Poole. And uh, I, I was waiting on God because God, uh, Rod had asked us to, to, uh, to share today and next Sunday. And Anne said, how do you want to do it? And I said, well, look, I'm, I've got a word. And do you mind if I do it? And you have your word. And uh, it's just, you can't believe how beautifully it's meshed. Uh, she asked me the other day, what is, what is your key theme? And I shared it, and she said, oh! Basically, I'd stolen her sermon. <laughs> no, I'm sure I haven't, because I know that in him, everyone will have a slightly different edge on the revelation, and everyone will have a different way of receiving some receive from me easier, and some receive from Anne easier. However, the issue is we receive from God. That's the main thing, so that your hearts are, are enlarged and increased. Praise the Lord. At a very posh seminary, there was a group of the students sitting in a tut group with, with their professor. And they were discussing Matthew 16, the portion where Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they were chucking things around. Some of the, you the old prophets come back to life, you this and you that. But suddenly... Jesus appeared in their midst, and they were like shocked. And he said to them, who do you say I am? And one guy got up. Now remember, I said this was a very posh uh, cemetery, no, seminary. And he said, thou art the word of life. Thou art the kerygma. Thou art imminent goodness expressing himself on the ground of being. And Jesus said, what? You know, we can get so sort of embroiled in trying to be posh with the Lord that we miss who he is. And we can get carried away with definitions and that. In, but the simplicity is, he is God and the truth is he lives in you. And we live in him. Praise the Lord. I, I have been a little bit, I've become conscious, conscious that some of you are not totally, uh, comfortable with the Lord. And I've been trying to work out what the issue is. And, and the Lord sort of showed me because 
This is a very passionate church. We have very passionate and, and sometimes violent worship. And the anointing of God comes close. But what happens is on those occasions, we become very conscious of our own shortcomings, of our own faults and our own sins. And it makes us draw back because the light shines, the glory of God comes and we, we feel exposed. Well, I've got news for you. Whether the light is shining or not, he knows you. And the point is, he wants us to know him and the power of what he has done. So that we don't have this feeling of insecurity, of uncertainty. And that we don't have to run and respond to every altar call as if we, we haven't done enough. Haven't prayed enough, haven't read enough, haven't witnessed enough, haven't, and it gets, it gets us into a, a flurry of works, into a bit of a panic. And the Lord gave me this wonderful scripture which I have considered for a very long time. It's Matthew, uh, Acts 17, verse 28. And there Paul writes and he says, in him, we live and move and have our being. What a glorious scripture. In him we live. Just think about it. I live in him. And I live as an expression of him. I move. And I have my being. I have, uh, I have my identity, my expression. I have my purposes in life in him. And one of the problems that we have, and perhaps this is why some are still insecure, is we're not totally sure that we are in him. Listen, if you responded to Jesus at a... As, as Savior, if you invited him into your heart, he is in you. It's not by feeling, it's truth, and it's by faith. His presence in you is totally real and permanent. This is the other blessing. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I know some people feel forsaken because mainly they're looking at their own performance. They've identified something in their life that is missing the mark, that is falling short. And they feel, they feel, they become aware of the gap. But he doesn't want us to live like that. There may be some gaps in our personal perfection and your personal achievement in, in, in your growing. But we're all in him, and that's it. And we stay in him. And the main problem is that we are, we don't have revelation. We don't fully understand. We haven't seen 
so much of, of this truth. And we feel distanced. We feel alone and isolated. Let me promise you, in Christ, you're not isolated. You are not alone. And he's, he's with you every second of the day. And he doesn't want you to respond in, in any kind of a fear or panic if you've missed it. He wants you to have a perfect life. He wants you to be mature. He wants you to, to grow up and overcome. But not having done that, perhaps missing it regularly, does not change his view, does not change his position as relating to you. The issue is in your own mind, you feel gapped, but he isn't, hasn't gapped. Our head is gapped. And the devil, of, of course, takes advantage and he, he condemns you. And he points out your failures and your faults. But listen, hey, Jesus made, uh, declared us righteous. And what's that mean? No fault. <laughs> That's, that, that is pretty comforting. R- regardless of where you are at right now, whether you, you've, you've done naughty things this weekend, regardless of that, if you're in him, you're righteous. And we don't come to church to put on a show. We come to church because we love him and we worship and we enjoy uh, the, the family of God. We enjoy serving one another. We enjoy the, the encouragement. We enjoy the, the testimonies of others. And just like we've heard some very wonderful testimonies about being in California... That's where God lives, according to Rod. (laughs) He will confirm that, no doubt. (laughs) But you you see, we enjoy hearing how, how somebody was blessed and overcame. But you know what? California never did it. It happened there, perhaps. And maybe you went there by faith. And when you go in faith, that's when things happen. But you can have that all the time. And you don't need a special event or an occasion to have faith. Paul says we live by faith. And that's why I said the, the principal scripture is, in him we live. I tell you what, Jesus is faith. And you're living in him. You're living in faith, in Christ. Trusting him and, and trusting yourself. To him, and I was, I was, I was asking God, help me with an analogy here to help your people, Lord, to to grasp this and to see things uh, in a correct spiritual and or theological way, without being too technical or uh, too high flung, but simple and grounded. And the Lord just gave me this idea. See the whole thing as an LP. 
Now, some of you are sort of too young to know what an LP is. An LP is a long-playing disc. Okay. Or see yourself as, as a CD or DVD. Because those, ha- those have a, a beginning and an end. They're linear, but they wound down on a long track. If it was all open, it would be how long? Hundreds of yards. And your life is in him. And the sermon I have called here is keeping on track. God wants you to keep on track. Aware that you're in him and he's in you. And because of that, you are on track. Praise God. The other, the other thing that takes time to, to, to sink in is that our whole life is about him. I heard one Bible professor somewhere say, history is his story. Think of your life like that. Jesus has a history in this world because it belongs to him. He created it. He came to save it and restore it. And you part of it. And when you got born again, you got in him on the track of his history. So you, you are writing a chapter of the book of Acts that will be recorded and will be revealed and demonstrated one day And it will be glorious. If you look at the book of Acts, he has no amen at the end. Interesting. Dr. Luke wrote it. But he put no amen. You know why? Because it's got 28 chapters, but there's 29, there's 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, etc., etc., etc. We are now sort of Chapter 3,476,000. Because history is ongoing. And in him, we live and, and move and have our being. Our expression, your life, is a part of his work in man's history. And I just love that. It brings me a security. Realizing that he has a purpose for me. He's got a plan for my life, and he doesn't want me to be insecure in it. All he said was, follow me. He didn't tell us to do heavy spiritual calisthenics. We just move on. Day by day, committing ourselves to him, following him, being obedient to his voice, Sometimes being disobedient to his voice. But you know what? The default is, I love you regardless. And I will fix it. God is the ultimate Mr. Fix-It. If you mess up, he fixes it. Firstly, he has to fix you. That may take a bit of time. 
But, well, let's move on. Let's hopefully, each week as we live and come, come to, to fellowship. I don't like, we don't, we don't come to church. We are the church that comes to the meeting. We make up the meeting as the church. The church is not a building. That is a religious concept. But God doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to move on. Praise the Lord. And the other thing is, if I'm in him and he's in me, I can go back on the tracks. Because I'm, it's me and him. And I can experience the life he expressed on the earth. I can, I can read the book, God's book, the Bible, and I see, I can see myself in the miracles. Can you see yourself on the Sea of Galilee? Can you see yourself in the boat in the storm? When you're all panicking, thinking, oh, we're going to sink and drown. And then you see Jesus walking. And then you hear Peter say, is that you, Lord? If it is, tell me to come. I can, God, see yourself as Peter getting out the boat and going. But then, of course, flesh takes over. And he does, he no longer sees Jesus, he sees the storm. But God, I tell you, we don't have a picture of we don't have it written that Jesus dragged Peter back to the boat. Peter by one arm and the rest of him half underwater. Jesus just lifted him up and they both walked on the water back to the boat. See yourself with him feeding the 5,000. Him giving you a piece of bread. And he says, break it and share it. And every time you tore it in half, it suddenly became whole again. And you take the fish and you have a miraculous feeding through the fish. It was, we've eaten some of those fish. They're tilapias. They're called St. Peter's fish in Israel. But they're just a tilapia a common fish that lives in the Galilee. When you, when you start seeing yourself in Jesus like that, in a historical context, context, you can begin to see yourself in him today. And you can think, hey, I shared with him feeding the thousands or raising the sick or the dead. I can do it today because he says, lay hands on the sick and they can recover. Or deal with the demonically oppressed and cast out devils. And it's not a big event. It's just, it's a life encounter. Because when you encounter things, encounter something with him, in mind being in you and him saying 
Lay your hand on him. Or him saying, out in Jesus' name, but using your body, your mouth. I have a book that was given to me by one of the professors at Christ for the Nations Institute Bible College in Dallas, Dr. Trulin. Our college in, in South Africa that had amalgamated as an, as a kind of a, a parallel school with CFNI. And they came and allowed us to use their curriculum. They gave us all the material, whatever we needed. And, and Dr. Trulin, who was an elderly man at the time, this was back in 81, 82, 83, over that period. He gave me a book that he had written called My Body, His Life. And it's, it was a wonderful book. I don't know if it's available in print. Brother Trulin has passed on now. He's, he would have been like 185 now, if he was still here. <laughs> but a wonderful revelation and understanding that he, he had. And he shared it in this book. My body, his life. In other words, you become Christ-possessed. And in that state, you become an expression of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So, in him I live and move and have my being. So, who I am today, right here, preaching, or outside on the way home, I'm still the same person in him. And whatever need I might uh, confront, we live it, live in it and do things in exactly the same way. In him we live and move and have our being. And it's the more you get to know him, and as in that sense that you become intimately acquainted with who he is and what he has done so that we live uh, with lesser and lesser gap so that we can actually say, Jesus, speak through me. Jesus, minister to that situation through me. I give you my hands. I give you these feet. Many of you went to California saying, Lord, I'd like to go. Uh, I want to go with a purpose, to give them something. And many of you weren't quite sure what you were going to give. But your presence was Jesus coming to bless the folks in California. Like you said, Astrid, the people were blessed. And they said so. Thank you for coming. And you think, what have I done? You brought Jesus to that home, to that family, to that person. That in the, and you, you brought them a revelation of Jesus that they may not have had before. And that enlarges them. That alone uh, helps them and encourages them to rise up and be available. And that, that's the challenge of the gospel. 
be available because it's not a professional uh, institution. The ministry is not the pulpit. That's just a, a platform for, for teaching one hour a week. What about all the other hundreds of hours where he's in you and you in him and you're moving with him and you're having your being with him? Guess what? He wants you to affect the place you go to. We, we have become conscious often, and I want you to do it as an experiment for yourselves. Next time you're in a restaurant, suddenly notice how many people come because you're there. Our presence seems to become a magnet for the people. They don't know why, but suddenly they all want to be there. It's because you're there. If only the restauranteurs would acknowledge that. <laughs> you may get a free meal. But the other point is, it's because you, you're there, you're a blessing to that place, to that, you're a blessing to the company you, you work in. Your company is enriched because of Jesus in you and his wisdom and his skills and his peace and his joy and his success. So if you have a slightly different perspective when you go back to work tomorrow, maybe things will be very different and suddenly going to work can be fun. Going to work can be a, a joyful anticipation of seeing what Jesus is going to do today at this company. Even though they're a bunch of Philistines. <laughs> yeah. Your very presence can change the atmosphere. We sang that song today. The presence of God, the power of God, the, uh, the anointing of God changes the atmosphere, changes things. You change things. But you know, when you walk in the consciousness of that, when you become aware of it, that Christ is in you. He's perfect. He's the perfect one that brings the wisdom, the anointing, the joy, and the breakthroughs. And he's just using you, little old me, to make a change. And, and, and your presence is part of the chapter that you are writing for the book of Acts. It's the book of Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Apostles. Well, let's put it this way. The book of the, of the Holy Spirit in you, chapter 4,722,000, whatever. Uh, you are writing a chapter in his history. And if you become aware and conscious of it, you, you will live life more on purpose. 
and not by accident. Hallelujah. And then we can get to to uh, things like releasing our faith, believing God, act, acting like God. Jesus said it to the disciples in Matthew, no, in Mark 11, verse 22, verse through to 25. He said, if you had faith as the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. Then he says, whatever you say, believe that what you say will happen and you will have it. And in fact, just before that, he had said, have God's faith. Now, the, the translators struggled with that. Some of modern translations, I think the uh, Amplified says, have the God kind of faith. Now, everyone thinks, dear God, how can I have the God kind of faith? Well, he told us exactly how it works. The God kind of faith is believe that whatever you say will come to pass. That's the God kind of faith. God himself believed that when he said things, they came to pass. Now, if you say things according to God's will and purpose, they will also come to pass. You can't just say what you, what you like. Jesus said in several places, uh, I don't say my, what I like to say. I hear Father and he tells me what to say. I don't do what I like to do. I hear Father and he tells me what to do. So uh, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, he was an expression of Father. Guess what? You are meant to be an expression of Jesus. What was he like? Like Paul said, I mean, how is this arrogant or is this confident? Follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I'm an example. I'll be able to to do God's will and God's perfect will just copy me. And that is, it's kind of think, ah, can I reach that? Can I have that? Yes, and you meant to. We can do the good news. More than share the good news. He told us to share the good news. Uh, told us in various ways in several places. It started in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to free the captives, to open the eyes of the blind, etc., etc. Jesus, uh, that was, uh, Luke said that of Jesus in, 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 uh, in Luke chapter 4. Uh, verse 18 and 19. And he, re- he, he, he found the book of Isaiah, opened the place, 
where it recorded what Isaiah had prophesied. Jesus read it out. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, etc., etc., to open the eyes, to heal the sick. And then he said something else astounding that shocked them. He said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And if we read the, the Gospels, they all have an account of where he says to us, go and preach the good news, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind. Just the same stuff he had done. These are like, like, uh, like Mark said it, right at the last chapter of Mark, said these signs follow them that believe. Now believing, I said, is, is acting or doing the God kind of faith. Doing things God's way. So, I lay hands on the sick. I can say, eyes be opened. Devil, come out in Jesus' name. All the authority that Jesus had is yours. In fact, he said that. I've, have, all authority has been given to me. And then he said, you go now. In other words, he delegated it to us. So that we have a, we have a divine purpose, an expression of, of Father's will in the earth. I am a part of history. I'm an expression of his story. He wants to live through you. He wants you to be in it. Living life on purpose. In security. So, what, how do, how do we, Wrap this up. It, I need to get more revelation. You need to become secure in knowing who you are in him and who he is in you. We've, we have good teaching in this, ministry, in this church. Very good teaching. And it's all meant not for our academic improvement but for our spiritual growth and revelation and the understanding of what it all means to be a believer, what it means now to be a, a Christian, a Christ in one. Even though the word Christian isn't really, uh, well, these days it's become a very religious term, but I tell you what, when they first gave them the, the, the nickname Christian or Little Christs, it wasn't kind of as a joke because those people were doing exactly what Christ did. They were little Christs or little Jesuses by the hundreds running around Asia Minor changing things, causing havoc. I mean, Paul and Silas arrive in a city and the city goes into shock. The mayor panics. 
Oh, these men who have turned the whole world upside down, they've come here. Well, listen, you should be turning the place where you are upside down with the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the power of the Spirit, the authority that you carry, mm, the wisdom that you can infect, that you can change the atmosphere, that you can bring direction, divine wisdom through you to the company can change the company's destiny. It can change their destiny and you will become promoted. Promotion is given to those who solve problems. You all know that. Your company, the company's value of you is how much you solve their problems. And the more you do that, the better. The more, well, Mr. Wisdom is God himself. Now he lives in you, so guess what? <laughs> the wisdom that he is, you can apply on the job. What do I do now, Lord? How do I, etc., etc. And he'll give you all those little secrets. And the whole place can change. And guess what? It'll make your life exciting. It'll make your, your being infectious. People will want to be with you and ask you things like, What's, what is, what is it about you that's so different? And of course, that's a, a golden opportunity. You ask the question, I give the answer. You might not like the answer, <laughs> but you ask the question. So, how am I going to face tomorrow? Just be more confident. You are in him, he's in you, and you have a purpose, and your life is history, his story, an expression of a new uh, way of touching the world. And guess what? There comes a time when it's wrapped up, when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'd like to hear those words spoken over every one of you. Where God commends us for a good job. But you can't really do a good job if you don't really know what the job's about. If you're insecure, does he love me? Doesn't he love me? One of my uh, tutors, if you like, of my mentors in life was Bob Mumford. Some of you may have heard of him. He's an American guy. He is now 95. A very good preacher. An excellent man of God. And he said something like, Are you a Christian or are you trying to be one? Ah. Now, I think a lot of people are trying to be good enough, trying to be pleasing to the Lord, trying, trying, trying. When it, It's just simple as that. You're in Him. You live in Him. You move in Him. 
and you have your being, your, your expression of life in him. Amen. With that knowledge, your eyes can be opened and you can come into rest. Hebrews 4 speaks of where, where the writer says, there is now rest for the people of God that you must enter in. There's a rest in God that we must enter in. Now, a rest is where you stop trying to be a Christian, where you are a Christian. And if I am, then I be, then I do Christian. Christian is him in me, living through me. Amen. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for the truth that sets us free. For the truth that, Lord, presses us forward into kingdom purposes. That brings liberty and peace to every heart. That breaks us free from the the shackles of, of religion. That demands things. Do this, do that, pray more, do more. And Lord, where you bring us into a place of rest. Where... Where, just like where you said, it is finished on the cross. We can live from that it is finished place. And we can live in the power of that, of that finished work. And we too can begin to enjoy being in you and moving in you and having our being in you. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.